0: We went to this garden, and they just long had story. Mark had to. Mark got his ass kicked by a peacock. By a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe it's a short story. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host Marcus Mead, and joining me, as always, the three-time Junior U.S. Ribbon Dancing Champion, my brother Mike. Yeah, when I uh, hear the song glory days i think back to my ribbon dancing days that's yeah. that was my glory days like a graceful swan is what yeah, sports Illustrated said that's that was a, that's a direct quote from, from i could have gone all the way to the top you know if the the coaches hadn't screwed me it was all politics you know? and performance and politics. dancing drugs back then you know it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just yep. a real real East dirty German. time in the, in the 90s, early 2000s, it was a yeah. rough time to be in ribbon dancing. But, you know, anyway, uh, we digress into, a, into the sport we're supposed to be talking about. On this week's episode, we'll review another week of near misses and maddening frustration from the Royals, do a little Royals prospect talk, and preview the upcoming series against the Cardinals and Orioles. Mike, you got anything we need to talk about specifically off the top? Absolutely nothing. Got to go out to the game today. That was really, really fun. And as I walked around the entire stadium, I thought, I, I love the idea of a downtown baseball stadium. I think there's a lot of stuff that has to happen before that, but that stadium is still gorgeous and still work looks perfect and is functional. I, I'm in for a downtown baseball stadium, but we don't need it right away. He also challenged Aaron judge to a dance off. So you, you, da- you think you're better dancer than me? I said, you think you a better dancer than me? Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was this close to going down right outside the dugout, but you know, right. we'll see if that ever he happens. Got lucky one of these days, one of these days. We'll start a review of last week with some roster news. There was a ton of it for the Royals, big time shifting of players and all that sort of thing last week. We'll start with the big roster news and that is Adalberto Mondesi back to the injured list. It's the 10 day IL for now but everybody knows it's going to be longer they've confirmed he has torn his ACL, which means his season is almost certainly over also means maybe his Royals career is over as he's a great non-tender candidate. They don't want to pay him that arbitration money as for a guy who's rarely ever on the field. Devastated for Mondesi. Mike, what did you think when you saw this injury come down? Um, I didn't think it was that. I really didn't think it was that bad. Um, it sucks for him. I wish we could have seen what he could become, but I think as you and I have talked about this, he kind need of to, needs to change. He maybe just needs a change of scenery too. And needs some fundamental, he needs to get into an organization that's going to tell him some different things too. And so I, it's, it's awful for him, but five, 10 years down the road, he may say, this is a blessing in disguise. If it means he gets into a new organization and gets another shot somewhere else. Yeah. There are a few guys you could think who you really hope more have a better second act to their career, third act to their career. I just really want the second half of his career to be a lot more fruitful, a lot more healthy. And maybe he gets a chance, even if it's not with the Royals, like it, w- it would be weird to see him go be successful with someone else. But for somebody who like him, who's just had so much go wrong for him in his major league career, you really just hope he can find a way to maximize that potential to be good for the sport and be good for him. I don't care where it is at this point. I just hope he gets a chance to be healthy and to have a a more productive career at some point his injury prompted the promotion of both Kyle Isbell and Emmanuel Rivera Uh, they also sent Brady Singer down to AAA which is why Isbell and Rivera could both be brought up really excited to see both of those guys get a chance at the major league level Isbell when I watch him have plate appearances the big contrast between him and most of the Royals lineup is even when he gets out he has a good plate appearance. Kyle Isbell puts together good at-bats, good plate appearances, and he's hit a little bit since he's been up. Obviously his defense is never a question. His base running is never a question. I'm really excited to see him and uh, uh, Edward Olivares get rotation time in the outfield. And Olivares has been hitting as well. No matter who they, who they throw up there, whoever's pitching against him, he's putting the ball. He, now he's always going to put it in play. He doesn't walk ever, but he's been getting hits and that's fun to see. He's not a great outfielder. I think we've kind of seen that but um, he can play right field. There's no, no nothing wrong with that. He won't be worse than Ryan O'Hearn or Hunter Dozier out there. So what the nope. hell? You know? I mean, there are going to be days when you really want a good outfield out there. And maybe you're like, that's going to be Isbell and Wright and not Olivares. Maybe Olivares will DH or something like that those days. But I can tell you, seeing both of those guys in the lineup, or since they've both been sort of in the lineup, I think the offense has gotten a tick better, a little bit better, because every time you add someone who has good plate appearances or who is capable of getting hits or being productive offensively, your lineup's going to get just a little bit better. The Royals still aren't scoring enough runs. They still aren't super productive as an offense, but they definitely look a little bit better to me with those two in the lineup than they have in the past. As I said, Brady Singer was sent down to AAA. Mike, what are your thoughts on that move it's sort of you'll remember even the preseason i said i would not be shocked if he gets sent to AAA. he has now been sent there to stretch out as a starter work as a starter throw that change up your thoughts on that my thoughts are why did he ever come up in the first place but i already shared that with you on twitter him and isbel isbel probably wouldn't be up if not for the injury the thought was why were they up here to begin with if they were just going to go back down they lost two weeks plus of development by making that decision and it makes the royals look like they don't have a coherent plan and so i hope brady singer gets down there i hope he throws the change up i liked some of the things i saw from him out of the pen which is good but i didn't see him throwing the change up enough still so maybe they're saying hey down there you better throw some change ups and see what we can get um we'll see i don't know I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him down there Yeah, he he pitched today. I haven't looked at the numbers. I don't want to see anything from it because I actually want to watch this game. Probably It'll probably be tomorrow because I'll be up editing this this episode. But I want to look and actually get my eyes to see what does that change up look like against AAA hitters? How's this fastball command right now? And that sort of thing. Because it's a really, it's a great opportunity for him, honestly. Like he's had so many years where I felt like he never had enough time in the minors anyway. And then now he's got a time to go down and actually just devote it to development. Just devote this next, two, three months to development. And when you come back up, be ready to throw change-ups, be ready to have your command where it needs to be. And you could stick as a starter for the rest of your career. And that's really what I think he wants ultimately. The Royals sent a pitcher to the IL as well and that was Jake Brents. So we've seen him be really really bad so far this year. Now it looks like they're blaming it on a flexor strain I think in in his arm and his elbow area. Uh, they're saying no uh no Tommy John risk or anything like that, but they are going to put him on the 10-day IL and that means Matt Peacock, the recently acquired relief pitcher who's been in AAA, is bringing oh. brought up to the M- oh. is that, I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's what what Peacock sounds like I don't think, like. that, I don't think I, it is. I have actually been directly challenged by a peacock once <laughs> this was in I'm London sure. at uh, what's it called? They have this very famous garden in London. Uh, it's Kew gardens. Maybe I can't remember, but we went, me and my mother went on vacation to London long story, but we went to this garden and they just, long story, Mark had to Mark got his ass kicked by a peacock. <laughs> by a peacock. <laughs> All right. Maybe it's a short story, uh, uh, but no, they just have like peacocks roaming around these gardens. Like they're not, caged or like roped off or anything and so they'll just walk right up to you and spread their you know feathers and do their whole make you, you their know, woman yeah you know sort of big time <laughs> you. they'll big time you if you yeah. let them of course i didn't i spit on them and then you know puffed out my chest and pushed out, down my old elderly mother and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> and ran and ran away i, I just got to be faster <laughs> than her really yeah. um but anyway uh yeah matt peacock came up haven't seen him pitch yet we'll see what that ends up looking like sinker guy and so really a ground ball guy that's why they brought him up the Yankee series. Another thing happened in the Yankee series that he's kind of making big news today, today. Yeah. today, uh, Cam Gallagher got hurt. He pulled, he, uh, it's a right hamstring strain. They're calling it really toughed it out, caught for another inning or two after doing it. Um, uh, but no, he, didn't, was, no he didn't, they pulled him off the bases. Yeah. That was after his, that was after his second next hit. He, he got another oh, really? plate. Wow. Of, yeah. He got another plate appearance after he had hurt himself on the bases already. And so, yeah, Gallagher uh, strained his right hamstring, stayed in the game for a couple more innings so that they didn't have to lose a DH spot, which they were going to have to do whenever he came out. But anyway, he's going to go on the 10-day IL. MJ Melendez is being called up to the major leagues, so we're getting to see one of those big hitters. Melendez has struggled, I guess, overall at the plate this year, but his Underlying numbers look pretty good. His strikeout rate is fairly low at 24%. It's not low, I guess, but it's livable. You can live at 24%. His walk rate is good at 13%, just over 13%. And then he's just having some really bad luck in some cases. His bat bip, his batting average on balls in play is like 180, which is really low. Like average is 300. And so his numbers, overall numbers, look really bad, but he is getting, making contact. He is hitting the ball somewhat. He's not striking out a bunch. And so, Maybe he's ready to come up. I'm hoping he actually gets playing time. I don't want to see him on the bench a bunch. Yeah, I think it's an easy call to play Sal at DH at least two, maybe three times a week, and have M J Melendez be your DH unless maybe there's a tough. lefty. You mean your catcher? Sorry, your catcher. While well, Sal's your DH, unless maybe there's a tough lefty, then you keep Sal in it, a catcher or be strategic with how you do it. That's anytime there's a lefty, you know, Sal catches. When there isn't, it's a right-handed pitcher. MJ Melendez catches D. Yeah, you could definitely do a rotation like that. That would work. I was a little surprised it wasn't Sebastian Rivero coming up. He's been hitting well at double a lately. He's a guy who they're not so worried about his long-term development. He's just going to be a steady, I think, backup catcher in the major league baseball for a long time. But uh, this is Melendez's shot. If he comes and shows out, who knows if he gets to stay, stay up. I'm sure he won't get to stay up if Cam comes back, but it might hasten their decision to trade Cam Gallagher before the trade deadline. He, They get calls for him every year because he's a solid backup, and so they may decide to pull the trigger sooner rather than later and get Melendez in the lineup or up to the major leagues even sooner than we expected. This week, the Royals were only able to go two and four, which brings their overall record to seven and 13. We had hoped for three wins from this week, and they got two out of that White Sox series because... The White Sox are really injured right now, but then they ran into a buzzsaw of a New York Yankees team who they were super hot coming into the series. They remain super hot exiting the series. They were swept by the Yankees. Their offense is just full of mashers. Their pitching staff is really good. They're really, I think my favorite to win the AL East this year. Yeah. And watching that game today, even when the Royals were up, there was no point that I felt like the Royals had that game in control at no point. Did I feel comfortable in, in that game? Even yesterday, you know, there, there, I thought uh, that yesterday there was, yes, honestly, the Royals' best chance to win a game, sadly, even though it's Garrett Cole. He's been struggling a little bit, though, and uh, we just couldn't couldn't do it. We just needed one of those damn games, though. Three wins this week would have been heaven. I thought today was their best chance to win one, and Daniel Lynch came out and pitched well enough to win this game. The thing was, we just didn't scratch enough runs across, and then the bullpen, Taylor Clark, oh, you, there, you see, and it's Coleman, Coleman. Uh, Oh, it was Coleman. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. Coleman, my Coleman bad. Was the uh, one that... Apologies to Taylor Clark. Um, but Coleman, you know, couldn't get it done. And then you, you really see the difference in in talent, in, in caliber, especially of hitter. When you see that, when you see the Royals lineup versus the Yankees lineup, you see guys fouling off 10, 11 pitches in the Yankees lineup does not happen. I, know, I mean, I noticed this today, Lynch through 30 pitches, 33, sorry, 33 pitches in the first inning. What happens? Mm-hmm. Nikki Lopez and Whit Merrifield see five pitches in the next in the next half, instead of like taking pitches, working counts, you know, giving their pitcher some rest. Those two guys, two outs, five pitches, and Andrew Benintendi comes up. Luckily, Benintendi hit a double and got a little bit of a longer inning, but that's what I'm talking about. You just don't see that kind of battling, those types of high quality at-bats from that many guys in the Royals lineup. They just don't put together super good at-bats. Almost everybody, even if they're not good hitters, almost everybody in the Yankees lineup puts together a good at-bat where they will foul balls off, fight 0-2, that sort of thing. In the Royals, it's just few and far between for guys who's actually going to put together a good quality major league at-bat. That doesn't mean guys didn't play well. Mike, we noticed that Daniel Lynch pitched really well today. Tell us about how he's done this week. Yeah, um, that's the guy that I picked for my strong performance this week, Daniel Lynch. He got two starts this week, 11 innings total. He he had a tough time going along at the long distance today because they had such long at-bats. I mean, that first at-bat was 10 pitches or something. But he did pitch 11 innings total this week, 11 strikeouts, which is good, especially for a Royals team that doesn't miss a lot of bats. Uh, three walks he only had three earned runs I think they were all today 154 batting average against that'll play and so if he can keep going he looks like the guy that's kind of the leader amongst that group in being a solid piece for the rotation for a little while let's hope Daniel Lynch keeps it up yeah feeling really good about him right now you know Bubich not so much Hernandez eh, not so much either. Singer, I'm, I'm still like, I'm still holding out hope that he can be a rotation piece because I've seen all the pieces necessary for him to be successful. But Lynch, we're seeing the production at the major league level at this point, especially against a lineup like the Yankees today. That was really impressive start five innings only, but really impressive start from him today because that lineup is hot. That lineup is full of mashers. They're really good. And yet he came out and gave them a chance to win today. And let me say this. I think that at bat, that first at bat against, uh who led off DJ DJ LeMahieu, DJ LeMahieu. I think that's part of the reason he gives up that home run in the first, because I mean, it was just a freaking battle with LeMahieu who would not go away. And then the next hitter, he gives up that huge home run. Yeah. Your mind sort of, your mind sort of relaxes a bit or you relax. It's hard to stay that focused. And then on top of it for two straight guys, which you have to do in that lineup. I mean, Mm -hmm. that lineup is crazy. And so, yeah, but great, great job from him this week in the White Sox series as well. He pitched really well and just, well, really dominated. And and it was, it was a game where you're like, okay, we, our offense isn't scoring. We need somebody to go blank a team for a while. And he did, he went out and did it. And so good for him. He did great this week. I'm talking about a guy in the lineup who did really well this week. And that's Edward Olivares. We mentioned him earlier. Love seeing him in the lineup. He went four for 11 this week with uh, two walks and only one strikeout. He, We mentioned that he's not a big walker all the time, but if he can incorporate that, he can take his at bats don't look terrible. It's not like he's flailing at a bunch of stuff outside the zone. He is an aggressive hitter and that's fine, but he's right now putting the bat on the ball hard, doing a good job creating some offense, which is more than you can say for most of the guys in this lineup. So I'm excited to see him get his chance in the lineup. I'm excited to see the rotation that they're doing with him and Isbell. It seems pretty much like a straight platoon split most of the time for them. With Isbel playing against right-handers and Olivares playing against left-handers, that could be a very effective split for the Royals if they c- continue to utilize it, which they should. It hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows, of course. We've had some bad performers in a two and four week. You would expect such things. Mike, tell us who is not uh, making the cut for you so far. Uh, well, Hunter Dozier has cooled off a little bit. He was two for 16 this week. He had just one double. He did have two walks, which isn't a lot in a whole week, but five strikeouts. I don't think this is like a, oh, let's worry about Hunter Dozier kind of thing. I think he'll be fine. I just think he ran into some bad luck or ran into a cooling off period. Not too worried about him. There were a lot of other guys I could have picked from, but (laughs) every single guy I picked from, I was like, oh, do I do Michael A. Taylor? Well, he had a home run today. Do I do uh, Nicky Lopez? Well, he had two hits today. Which I think were his only two for the week. Um, so I just decided that Hunter Dozier was a guy that was doing really well. I think he can, will continue to to look better, but two for sixteen not not what you're looking for. Yeah, the same could be said for Salvador Perez, who is two for 21 uh, this week. He came up in so many big spots. So many big, so many big spots all week. And yet he was just and, you know, I think David Lesky put out a tweet that's like this offense is built around Salvador Perez. And right now he's brutal. And that's true. He is brutal right now. Two for 21 with one extra base hit. It was a double one walk, 10 strikeouts this week. He's just flailing in big spots. He came up today in his first two at bats. he, He swung at ball four in both of them. And so it was three two in his first one. Swung at ball four, struck out. It, a ball that was a good foot off the outside of the plate, not anywhere close. Uh, and then he came up and swung. It was three one in his second at bat. He came up and swung at ball four again, missed it, and ends up get. I forget. You think he grounded out in that one? All yeah. with guys on base. And so we're talking about like, well, the Royals are just leaving a ton of guys on base, and that's true. They are leaving a ton of guys on base. A big part of it has been Salvador Perez for the last week at least. And so he's a guy, you know, you always give credit to. And I I saw someone mention on Twitter today or respond to me on Twitter today. Like, yeah, I forgive Salvi for the horrible plate discipline because he's been so productive and stuff like that. And it's like, I can do that, too. You know, I, I can forgive Salvador Perez, not expect him to be a real disciplined hitter. The problem is you can really only have one Salvador Perez in your lineup to be okay. He has to be it, but he also has to produce right? So the fact is the Royals have a bunch of guys who are swinging at stuff way outside the strike zone who are not terribly disciplined hitters and that's killing them. It is just killing them right now. And Salvador Perez is sort of typifies all that, even though he's typically productive for them. Hopefully I'm sure this is just a blip and he will sort of get hot at some point and start hitting balls hard. But right now, boy, has he been a drag on the offense for the last week at least. And I want to say that this sort of culminates in what I'm talking about as my theme of the week. And my theme for this week is this is what happens, Larry. And so if, for, for those who don't get that <laughs> reference, it's a big Lebowski reference, but this is what happens when you as an organization do not emphasize the most basic and fundamental aspects of hitting, which is don't swing at balls outside the strike zone and do swing at balls in the heart of the plate, right? That's a very simple sort of thing. For some organizations, that's the first thing. That's the primary thing. For the Royals, that is clearly not the primary thing. They clearly do either do not emphasize approach and that sort of basic principle enough, or they're just really bad at emphasizing it, one or the other, because they have a bunch of hitters who are incapable of being disciplined hitters who work counts and swing at advantageous pitches and lay off not advantageous pitches. For my theme this week, it's the big kid table is no bueno. You just faced probably the class of the American league in the Yankees this year and didn't look competitive at times. I don't know if we're even close to being ready to sit at the big, kid, big kid table. We've got the Cardinals coming in who are doing pretty well right now. Um, that'll be it. That'll be a test in itself. So I don't know if this team is big kid ready yet. We need, we need more time at the little kid table. If you thought the Royals were going to be competitive in any sort of way, as far as making the playoffs, at this point, that Yankee series should have told you just about everything you need to know, because we aren't ready to play teams that are that good, not and not be and be competitive anyway. Yeah, the only hope it seems like they have is, well, what if they bring up guys like Pasquantino, Melendez, and Prado, and they're hitting? What if Singer gets it right? Lynch is good, and Keller. I mean, what if like everything goes right? That's right. That <laughs> that is really it, though. So that's I, what we said that, at the beginning of the year, like. We were looking at the lineup going, well, if every single thing goes right, right, they might be able to score runs. And I'm going, but wait, none of those guys have ever had a track record of hitting consistently. (laughs) But that's what's interesting. Like, So I made a win prediction of, I think, 79 wins for this year. Most of my confidence in that came from the fact that I thought that Pasquantino, Melendez, and Prado would be up sometime in the second half. right? And so I thought to myself, I think this team's going to do a little bit of winning in the second half. Once they figure some stuff out, the thing is they have not figured stuff out yet, but we're still like three weeks into the season. And so, you know, they're still figuring it out and they're really scuffling as a result. And they showed it in that Yankee series, but I am still excited because I think Isabel and uh, Olivares make that lineup better. And I think they've shown that. I think that if Bubic and Hernandez continue to struggle, they're going to move on from them and maybe bring up a John Heasley or maybe Singer will come back up. And eventually they will find something that is working better than what's going on right now. If they don't, I don't understand how they're operating as a professional organization. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. Also, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. We're constantly posting new analysis and commentary, so come check that out. Since the big league team is giving many fans feelings of equal parts homicidal rage and unending sadness, I thought we'd spend this week's spotlight segment focused on the Royals farm system and the young prospects who may one day pull the Royals out of the pit of mediocrity they seem stuck in. We'll start on the hitting side. Mike, who among our hitting prospects has really stuck out to you so far this season? Well, here's what I would like to say. Use knows who I'm going to talk about right? <laughs> the Italian stallion Vinnie Pasquantino. Have you seen, have you seen that? Have you seen that Sopranos meme? that's just indistinguishable Italian shouting or something yes, like that. I, have. I love that. That's my favorite thing. And, and then, you know, I, I've been wanting to, you know, integrate the word gabagool into my life more. So any <laughs> Vinnie, Vinnie Pasquantino we can get up here is great. Uh, love Vinnie Pasquantino. He, she actually was, Kind of struggled the first week of the minor league season, but he's for the, killing for the it un, now. For the, for the uninitiated, tell us who Vinny Pasquantino is. Vinny Pasquantino was a college uh, player that we drafted out of Old Dominion, I believe. Yes. Um, he is a first baseman, DH guy. Not, not going to do anything else because he's not all that athletic. But damn, does he hit the baseball? And he's got a great approach and a great eye. He's got a 12% strikeout rate. His walk rate is seventeen percent. He's got a high, he walks more than he strikes out, and he's a Kansas City Royals prospect. No yeah. joke. He's got an eight twenty five OPS right now, and that's with a really low bat bip His bat tip is like two sixty five, so he 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 could be doing even better. Like he's just been tearing the cover off the ball. He's hit at every single level he's been at. He doesn't get the national recognition that Melendez and Prado and and Bobby Witt Jr. got, but I think just this past year he started to a little bit but he's really I think going to be a guy that can come up and do the things that we don't see a lot of guys in the lineup do produce good at bats take a walk and then he he won't hit as many home runs as you would expect a really good hitter from that dh first base position Um, but he hits a lot of doubles he does hit he can hit home runs it's not like he won't hit like 10 like he can really he can hit it out so exciting to see him continue to do it at AAA because he killed at AA last year. Yeah, I'm just excited to see somebody who can put together good at bats come up to the major leagues. That's all I'm looking for right now. Show me you can come up and put together good. Think for me, it's like, think Billy Butler, but maybe a little more consistent from Vinny Pasquantino. Like, yeah, and he'll, he'll watch, I mean, he walks more than Billy Butler ever. Dude. Yeah, that's true. He walks a little bit more than Billy Butler. And he has although, a little bit more over the fence power, I think. Although the walking is a little bit, has been bumped a little bit this year. I mean, the walk numbers from previous years aren't quite as high, but it's great to see him walking at the clip. He is now. I mean, it's really, I hope it sticks around because it's, it's great. And, and I think a 12% K rate for a guy who has his kind of home run power, incredible, incredible home run and doubles power, like extra base hit power. It's just really, it's really going to play at the major league level if you know, he can translate in the way that a lot of people think he can. So his, his running mate down in AAA right now, uh, Nick Prado, just started to heat it up. And I got to bring him up because, yes, you probably know his name as a, as a listener, but maybe you don't know that he started out struggling pretty mightily this year at AAA. His K rate was really high, striking out a lot. But he's been heating up lately, cutting back on those strikeouts. He's only got 14 strikeouts in his last 12 games. He hit a bomb today. I think he hit one yesterday. He's a guy with all sorts of power. And sort of figuring out how his approach is really going to be fine tuned. So he's not so patient and so sort of passive. He's getting so deep into counts that he's striking out a bunch. He needs to maybe be a little bit more aggressive, which is I never say about Royals hitters. Uh, He needs to be a little more aggressive and take those pitches that he's really getting early in counts and try and do damage to him. But so far, it looks like he's heating up. It looks like he's going to be, along with Vinny Pascontino, a solution to the first base DH sort of thing. And then maybe Prado will play a little bit of outfield here and there, just so you can get all of the bats in the lineup that you need to get in. But it's really been good from, from Nick Prado lately. And that's what the Royals love to see, because we know Carlos Santana isn't the Long term solution at first base. Now it looks like when Pasquantino and Prado are given the call up, they're going to maybe have a chance to be productive. It's always a transition. It's always an adjustment at the major league level. But if those two can come up and be productive, that's going to be a big step forward for the offense. And for those of you that don't know, Nick Prado will probably always strike out at a 20 to 30% rate. We're talking more like 25 to low 30s. I would imagine. Yeah, that's what, and then we, that's kind of what we expect, but he can walk as well. He has shown that ability in the last year, at least, that his walk rate can be up there too. So as long as he's walking and getting on base that way and showing the power that we've seen from him, you know, and it may be an adjustment when he gets to Major League Baseball, he may be striking out way too much. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to move to a new level and succeed right away. Vinny Pasquantino is somebody I expect to maybe be able to contribute right away a little bit better. But it's time to see, because, or or soon it will be time to see, hopefully, if Prado can continue that. Yeah, and Prado, unlike Pasquantino, is a decent athlete and can move a little bit, especially around the bag at first. He is a guy who's probably going to compete for gold gloves at first if he plays there consistently. If not, he might play right field. He has a really good arm and can throw. You know, he may end up playing in some left field. You know, a guy who can move enough to play the outfield and is really, really good at first base. So they have some flexibility there in terms of playing those two in a lineup at the same time. Those aren't the only two hitters that we get excited about at the minor league level. Mike, I want you to give us, a. So we're going to give you a couple more. Give us another name of a hitter we should be paying attention to who might be ready for the big leagues sometime in the next year or two. Michael Massey is a guy that I think a lot of people who watch a lot of minor league baseball really like. The Royals Farm Report guys like him a lot. Uh, 284 is what he's hitting right now, and he struggled a little at the beginning of the year too. 318 for his on base and a 519 slugging. Imagine a second baseman who can play elite-level defense, and has a little bit of pop from the left side. So I I like Michael Massey as well. He did win a minor league gold glove at second base. He's probably only a second baseman, um, but I I think he's going to be a guy that can really provide something at a position you don't expect to provide a whole lot of offense, has the ability to provide some offense. Striking out a little bit more than what we would like right now and not quite walking as much as he usually does, but I think over the the long haul of the season, that'll start to uh, even out. Yeah, a uh, guy who could maybe hit 20 home runs in Major League Baseball from that's the second, second base position. Yeah, thats great. With that level of defense, that's incredible. You, you would love something like that. And so, yeah, I can't wait to see what Massey does as he continues throughout the double A season. Maybe only be there half a season before he gets bumped to triple A if he keeps hitting this way. Another guy who's really putting up big numbers with Massey at AA Northwest Arkansas is a guy named Nate Eaton. If you don't know Eaton, it's because he's not a big name prospect like uh, Prado or Melendez. He's not even as big a name a prospect as Massey and Pasquantino. Uh, Nate Eaton was actually a college catcher at uh, Virginia, VCU, I think. I think VCU, Yeah what's weird is you rarely see guys who are college catchers with the athleticism to move to another position when they get to major league baseball, but that's what happened, happened to happen to Nate Eaton. He professional came up, baseball. Yeah. What did, what did I say? <laughs> he said major league baseball. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He's not there yet. He's not there yet, but <laughs> yeah. he is tearing the, he is tearing the cover off the ball down in double a Northwest Arkansas. So he has an 883 OPS right now. And, and the, the, secondary numbers are really good too a 10% walk rate, which is pretty good. And only a 17% strikeout rate. You like to see something like that. And so now he looks like a guy who he's 25 years old, which is a little bit old for the league, but he looks like a guy who can really contribute in some way. And at least offensively can handle himself at the double a level. And it'll be interesting to see if he continues to move up, can he handle himself at the triple a level? Will he be somebody who can hit a little bit at the major league level and play a, a couple different positions? He's not a great defender anywhere. But he might be able a to play left fielder, right? Most a, of the time, he might yeah. be able to play left field for you a little bit and be a bench bat for you. If you can hit, you can play, right? That's sort of the rule. If you can hit, they'll find a place to put you. And so, I'd like to see Eaton uh, as he continues to develop and move forward. Can he be a guy who's a little bit of a late bloomer, be productive offensively at the major league level? And if nothing else, maybe he's a trade piece for the Royals in some way but you can't hit your way to a championship. You got to pitch your way to a championship. So who's going to help out this pitching staff, which looks like it's starting to get some pieces, Brad Keller, Lynch, that sort of thing. Who's the next wave of guys who might finish out that rotation? Mike, who do you like in the minors as a a starting pitcher at this point? Well, I liked him in the majors last year, John Heasley. Uh, He struggled in, he struggled some in spring training, 2.55 2.55 ERA so far, though, 2.51 FIP fielding independent pitching. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be like a top of the rotation guy. But the reason that I liked him last year is because he has legit four pitches and can command all four of them. And that's kind of my thing. His stuff is, uh, I would say, slightly above average, but not phenomenal. But I think he throws enough strikes that with a good defense like the Royals have, and as long as he, Doesn't give up the home run because I think he's going to be one of those guys that could be kind of iffy on giving up a lot of home runs, but I think he has a chance to really be a solid rotation piece for a good team. Like I said, not going to be the ace of your rotation, but right now I'll take a guy that can throw strikes and get out of the first inning without giving up, you know, five runs. I kind of wish you would just end it with get out of the first inning. Right now, I'll take a guy who can throw strikes and get out of the first inning. And pitch in the second. My bar is very low. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, John Heasley, I would be very excited to see what he looks like. And I'm guessing he's getting a chance sometime in the next month or so because – They have some guys in the rotation who just aren't doing real well right now. It looks like maybe Bubich's best role is going to be as a swing man because he has had a lot of success there, but he's really struggling as a starter right now. And so let's see, right? Heasley, I I do love guys who have four pitches and can command them. You're right. That has a ton of value. The thing that gets me, because you brought up Bubich, I'm going to mention this. I hear Bubich speak about his arsenal and he says, well, I've got to be, I'm a fastball pitcher. So I've got to be able to locate that fastball. Well, at this point, I've never seen it so you can consistently locate that fastball. So the other day in that first inning where he's getting rocked, he's trying to throw fastballs. As soon as he stops doing that, he starts doing OK. So maybe you need to start thinking about being a guy who mixes pitches and not, hey, I'm a fastball pitcher. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, it it okay, takes I mean, some audacity <laughs> to throw 92 or 91 to 93 and be like, I'm a fastball pitcher. It's like, buddy, and you, you throw it could be. Well, he yeah, could if be he, if he could locate it but he if he could locate it he can't you know locate it. tom then, Glavin never threw that hard even then though <laughs> this is this is 2022 okay you got guys humming it up there at 98 on the regular and so you you throw 91 93 you better be pinpoint with that fastball because you're not going to blow it by anybody and so that's why i'll take a guy who had like if we're saying here are two guys who have roughly average stuff then give me the guy who has more pitches and the guy who can command all of them because that's the guy that's going to be successful. And so we'll see if Heasley gets a second chance at some point. I'm looking a little bit lower. I'm going back to Northwest Arkansas to my boy, Drew Parrish. That's right. I mentioned him early on before the season started. Spoke with him with Alex Duvall of Royals Farm Report about him on the podcast before. I'm a big fan of Drew Parrish. I love dudes who can command the ball. I love dudes who have good pitch mixes and and throw wicked secondary stuff. Parish is another guy who will not blow you away with velocity, but he is great, has tremendous pitch ability. Right now he's got a 3-3-2 ERA down in Northwest Arkansas. His fielding independent pitching is actually much higher, but that's just because some of his starts he sort of doesn't, he, he gets through them not by striking a bunch of guys out, but by letting them put the ball in play and getting weak contact and that sort of thing. And so, He's not going to be that sort of guy who his ERA will probably always be better than his fielding independent pitching. And I'm fine with that. But I watched his most recent outing. I think it was his most recent outing, I mean, either that or the one right before it. And he was dominant. a just enormous, enormous curveball dropping from guys' shoulders to their ankles. Incredible the curveball. Curve uh, it curveball. Lo- it looked like a berrizito curveball. It looked ball. a and lot was, like that. It did. Was, I saw I saw left-handed. the one that they put out there. He also throws a really good change up and a slider. That fastball's getting better, and he locates it really well. And so I am a big fan of Drew Parrish's. I'm looking to see what he does over the course of the next month or two because he looks like he's settled in at Northwest Arkansas. When he's on and on the mound, he kind of looks like a machine up there. He's just like pumping in fastball or pumping in strikes over and over and over again. Lefties cannot touch this guy. Just fat, Just pumping it in there. Outthinking thinking hitters. It's great to see. He's a really fun watch as a pitcher. And so I hope he gets a chance moving forward because yes, some of these 2018 guys aren't working out, but guess what? There is another wave of guys coming. And so when Jonathan Bowling gets back, when Alec Marsh is there, Drew Parrish, John Heasley, Austin Cox, there are guys coming, Asa Lacey. And so, you know, while I may be wishing that Jackson Kowar and Brady Singer and Chris Bubich were a little more established at this point, if they don't end up working out, they got pitchers coming in right, right behind them. I think the broad question on people's mind, though, is why should we expect this group of hitters and pitchers to be any different than the group at the MLB level, right? That's very frustrating right now. How can we expect these guys, or why should we expect these guys to be better than the ones who have come before them? Well, philosophically, I think you have to ask yourself, what, what is the other option? The other option is to just believe that they're going to suck just like these guys do. Then why be a I, fan at all? Right. There are quite a few fans who, who are <laughs> cynical in just that way, who are like, everything's well, always, I, then, it kills me. Because then why t- are you a fan? Why would you yeah, ever be I, a fan I, if that's the case? What's weird is you see takes that are like, they're just going to sell all their best players. And it's, these are people who haven't watched a game in 10 years, who have no clue what's going on in <laughs> baseball or anything. And so it's like, man, I'm not even listening to that. No, I, so I, I think the other option is nothing but despair. So I'm going to go out and look at the positive things there. I'm going to try and find ways that these guys are different than the ones that we have now. I'm going to try and hope that the Royals are learning from, from their development woes and doing better as we go along. Is it possible I'm naive? Yes, but darn it. I have to have hope or I can't be a fan. Well, I think, I, I think honestly, there are indicators that the next wave of hitters and pitchers will be different than the ones that came before. I think you're like for the, the fact that Vinnie Pasquantino has a walk rate higher than a strikeout rate and is one of the guys they've been really trying to push towards the major leagues is an indicator that they're doing things differently than previously. Kyle Isbell can take good at bats. He is really the first of the wave of hitters that worked under the new hitting regime they had in the minor leagues to make it to the major leagues. And you can see, you can tell a marked difference between him and guys who came before him developmentally. He takes good at bats. And you can look at some guys behind him too and see that they're a little different. Michael Garcia is the one that I think of right away. He's at AAA right now. Uh, I think he's at AAA, double AA, A AA right now, but he'll take a good at bat, you know, and he they've been pushing him up a little bit more, a little bit more. And so I think that there are guys, if you look into those minor league levels, you do see that some of the stuff we were going for, which was, and, and I, I don't want to say anything you know, negative about Salvador Perez and, and Mondesi and, and some of those guys, but they're free swingers that they are and the Royals were okay getting those guys for a long time. But I think that they're, they've started at least to focus on guys that have a better approach or, or help them develop one. And, and maybe you can see some signs at the major league level too, that the philosophy has changed a little bit. They're letting Daniel Lynch throw his fastball less and his slider more. For example, that's a huge development for him. That's a much better pitch mix for him than what they would have done in the past, which is like throw your fastball 50 55% of the time. You got to establish the fastball. Establish the More. fastball. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, old, old, <laughs> old head thinking, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's ancient and, and antiquated. And so it's good to see that sort of thing. They have other pitchers they need to be thinking the same thing with. Austin Cox, I don't think, should be throwing his fastball. of the time. There are a lot of guys, I think, who maybe need to pitch backwards in their, in their sort of approach. They have some guys who maybe can live on their fastball. Uh, What's his name in Double A? Throws really hard. Alec Marsh. Alec Marsh throws pretty hard. Good fastball. Maybe he wants to work off of it. Asa Lacey, good fastball. Maybe he can work off of his, but it'll sort of come down to Have they changed? And the next wave of players will sort of tell us, show us the results of these overhauls they've been trying to do with their hitting and pitching development. The Royals will have another two, three game sets against the Cardinals and Orioles this week. The Cardinals was set to be a two game series, but they have a makeup game to make up on Monday. So they have a weird schedule. I think they're going to go to St. Louis on Monday and then come back to Kaufman for two games against the Cardinals on Tuesday and Wednesday, then a day off, then a three-game set against the Orioles in Baltimore. And so, Mike, tell us a little bit about the Cardinals. We've played them already this year, but give us the head, heads up on these pitching matchups. Uh, they're doing pretty good. They're 12-9, and nine, second in the NL Central right now. But we have the matchups, I think, to maybe have a good series against them. Granke's going to go against Steven Matz. We, were, we all remember Steven Matz, right? He was a guy we he- thought... I believe you wanted the Royals to sign I, him this offseason. I season. did want the Royals to sign him this offseason. He's not having a great start to his year. He has a 6.11 ERA so far in eight or in four games started. So he's not doing great. So maybe we dodged a bullet there. Uh, don't listen to me. But he had some really good years with the Mets. So and a good um, year last a year with who was, who was he with last year? He had a good year last year, too. Not with the Mets, I don't think. I can't remember. Man. I want to say Toronto. Toronto. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, he's got a fastball slider, change up curveball four four pitch mix there. Uh, or sorry, sinker, uh, sinker baller guy sinker at about 50% of the time for, for Steven Matz. Keller's going to go against Dakota Johnson, a little bit younger guy. He's having a good year. 2.75 uh, ERA for him. Dakota, Dakota Hudson, not Hudson, Johnson, not Johnson. I'm there sorry. There is I no Dakota Johnson. Right. Dakota Johnson. I don't even know who that is. Dakota <laughs> Hudson Cardinals fans, uh, sinker slider guy. Uh, sinker and slider like 70 plus percent of the time. So he throws that a lot. Sinker sits around 92 to 93 miles an hour. A good young starting pitcher there. And then the last game, we've got Bubich versus Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright, the old grizzled vet with the big curveball, 40-year-old right-handed pitcher who's got a four ERA right now. Fastball, the big curveball that he's known for, a cutter and a changeup. He still only throws in the high 80s and low 90s now. So uh We'll see. We'll see what we get out of Bubich and Wainwright and their lineup. A lot of notable names in there. Nolan Arenado. Uh, Pujols is back with them again. Goldschmidt is still with them. So uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Bubich, how Bubich comes out and does and how long the leash is for him at this point. You know, Does he get this start and a couple more? How many more starts if, if Bubich isn't going well uh, before they sort of make a change of some kind? I'll be interested to see that. Hope he does great against the Cardinals. That's a good right-handed hitting team, uh, but we'll see in that start against Wainwright. After the Cardinals, the Royals will take off for a series on the East Coast against the Orioles. They are a basement dweller. They are last in the AL East at eight and 14. They seem to feel quite comfortable down there. Very comfortable <laughs> in the basement down there. And they're um, in the AL East, which is God. We'll see. Uh, uh, there's a possibility at least that uh, Adley Rutchman may debut during that series. He's doing a rehab Ooh, start right now. Fun. He's doing a rehab stint. He hurt himself to start the year. And so, but we're talking about their number, one of the top prospects in baseball, uh, he's a catcher for the for the Orioles. We'll see if by then he's ready to be brought up to the major leagues. That'd be really interesting. I'd love to see him uh, come up and catch for the Orioles in that series. Uh, the Orioles this year are, like the Royals, really struggling offensively. They're starting to pitching has been somewhat of a pleasant surprise. They got a few guys who are effective uh, in the, in their rotation, though they did just lose John means for the year, which is really going to hurt them. Well, hurt them in the sense that like, they're still going to do really bad. There's really no, if you're the (laughs) Orioles losing at this point has lost all meaning. And so like, it doesn't matter who's there, who's winning. It doesn't matter. They're going to lose. They're going to pick in the top five no matter what and so but their starting rotation has been a pleasant surprise for their fans I'm sure their offense is atrocious six of their nine starters have OPS pluses that are well below average so a lot like the Royals they don't just have a few bad hitters they got guys who are among the worst in the league offensively and so that's dragging their offense big time Cedric Mullins great center fielder for them he's hitting a little bit Austin Hayes is hitting a little bit and a guy named Anthony Santando who I've never even heard of and he's Tander. also yeah, sure. We'll call him I Santander. No idea who that is. We'll call it him reminds that. Reminds me of Major League. I don't even know some of these guys. Yeah, 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 exactly. This guy's uh, dead. <laughs> <laughs> Santander is, uh, is also hitting. Hopefully, he, you know, I'll figure out who he is by then, by the time they play. Uh, but other than that, it's not a great Orioles team. They really should win that series. If they don't, we're going to be talking about some dark days here in Kansas City. Let's end this week's episode the way we end every episode. Mike, how's that sound? I'm down for that. I I know you love routine. I know you love routine. So we're going to end it with Mm -hmm. our just a bit outside segment where we talk about something that is interesting to us outside the world of baseball. But luckily Mike has chosen something that is very close to baseball, real (laughs) baseball adjacent. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) the closest thing you could get to baseball without being baseball. It's softball. (laughs) I'm talking about softball, (laughs) not slow pitch softball. I'm talking about fast pitch softball, collegiate women's softball. I've been watching a lot of it lately. Uh, a former student and a- a athlete that I coached was one of the uh, top recruits in the nation. She went to Washington. She's doing great. And so I, 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 I try and find her games and go watch uh, her play a little bit. But in the midst of that, I started to watch some of the other games. I like to watch Mizzou play. They have a, a competent softball team in a very tough uh, SEC. But I've just been turning to it, and I'm thinking, like, man, it's a little bit faster paced than what baseball is. Oh, honestly. it's definitely faster paced. That's and, what makes it more interesting. Yeah. And the games are a little shorter cause they're seven innings. And so I I've really enjoyed turning on, especially like I, a lot of times I'll stay up with my, my son uh, late into the night so that my wife can get like some sleep time in there. And you can catch like some of the, some of the West coast games and stuff for softball. So uh, if you haven't, go, go watch some college softball. It really is a pleasant, a pleasant watch. So they're doing some good stuff there. Yeah. If I hadn't grown up playing baseball and like developed a fandom early in life and things like that, I would, as a neutral, I would prefer watching softball because the game is so quick. It is quick and fast paced and intense and exciting. And you love to see it. The energy levels are always amazing from the teams. It's just a really fun, entertaining sporting product that, you know, there's a reason that the, college world series of softball gets such good ratings and just does so well they pack those places too man it just does well on television too like it's just a really exciting game to watch i'm gonna talk about another exciting game to watch the games that i'm excited about and that is nintendo switch games mark bought a nintendo switch last night y'all and so i started playing it last night we played some mario kart me and my partner played some mario kart on it amazing so what you need to know is i haven't owned a nintendo product in like i don't know 15 years so is the gamecube probably it's the right? gamecube yes it's the gamecube yeah. and yeah. so uh, you go from that which was cool i like the gamecube it was a lot of fun tony hawk to like, skater on there was great you go from that to like looking at the one that they have now it's like it's like we're in the future <laughs> I, when I when i when i look at this mario kart i'm like we are living in the future people uh, and so uh, we played some mario kart that was awesome today I put in this game like it's like uh, it's a Legend of Zelda game. It's called like Breath of the Wind or something like that. I don't know the name of it, but it is like the dopest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay, it looks like. You know, you know, the scenes in movies where somebody has taken acid and they're like all the (laughs) colors and like, it's also, that's what this looks like. It is so gorgeous. It is like the most gorgeous video game I've ever seen. And it's just really intricate. Like, like Ocarina of Time was back in on the 64. And I'm just having so much fun with this Nintendo switch, man. I I might have to quit my job and just play this Nintendo switch all day. You got to bring it over. We'll put it on the old 70 inch. Oh yeah. I'm definitely bringing it over. That's going to happen. And so the best thing about it was it was super easy to set up. So we had it set up in like five minutes when i set up my playstation 4 many years ago i was like oh i'm gonna have so much fun playing it tonight and then i was like okay but in order to download a game it takes five hours or something like that And i'm like oh i don't get to play it tonight it's shitty we were playing Mario Kart in like 10 minutes. And so like it's just it, it's all really easy and simple on the Switch. And yet the gameplay and the games are so intricate and dope. And it just it's 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 a really great system. I'm really excited and glad I bought it. We're gonna do a lot of like co-gaming stuff, like playing games together, and we're really excited about that. So yeah, that's just an endorsement for the Nintendo Switch. How they need more money, you? apparently. Uh, That's it's crass to talk about money, Mike. It is very crass (laughs) amongst Um, friends. We're amongst friends. Uh, It was 300 bucks, which is oh man, I can't afford that shit. Get out of here. It's not terrible for a gaming system these days, grandpa. Um, and so yeah, I I really enjoy (laughs) it. Cool means good, good. cool (laughs) means good. Uh, yeah. So if you have 300 bucks to spare, you're looking for a gaming system. I highly endorse the Nintendo Switch. I've been having fun playing it for the last couple of days and uh, really enjoy it. But you don't have too much time to play video games. You got to watch these Royals and listen to this Royals weekly, which is the most important thing in your life, as yeah. we all know. As we And all so know. we will be back next week with more on the Royals. Hopefully it's a week of winning games. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals.